You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. This episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Cork and Carey at the Park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton is your home for White Sox pregame, postgame, viewing parties, award-winning menu of burgers, ballpark favorites, bring the whole family in, I always bring the kids in there before the game, an extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines. Get out to the official home of the podcast for fans by fans, Socks in the Basement at 33rd and Princeton. Cork and Carry at the park. As we kick off this show today, I want to give a little bit of my background for those that may not have heard of it on Socks in the Basement previously. As we get into a story that I don't want to talk about, particularly, this is like the the icky thing that that I don't I don't like touching. I don't like getting into these kind of things. I want to talk baseball. I want to talk sports. I want to enjoy the team that I root for. I want to look at what they're what they're going to do in the next season. I want to make fun of the the stupid things that they put out, like that silly hype video. I don't want to get into a conversation about Mike Clevenger, but there's absolutely no way to do Socks in the Basement and not talk about Mike Clevenger, right, Ed? No, there's not. And, and you know, you're, you're talking about the background, your background, my background as an attorney, and, and some of the things that I've seen and, and had to deal with in my career. This is not the type of conversation you ever, ever, ever want to have in any context, in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, here we go, and and we have a White Sox player who's accused of something. The accusations are horrific, and you never, ever want to see anybody have to come forward and say this is what's going on. But we're faced with the reality that this guy is employed by the team, and we now, as fans and, uh, you know, as anybody associated with the team, have to sit there and say, okay, well, what happens now what's next with this and what is the process that has to play out here and there's all sorts of opinions that have been offered up and frankly i you know i don't want to invalidate or validate anybody's opinion on on that they've expressed on the situation because it's again it's one of these conversations where frankly the the opinion that matters is we should never have to have this conversation in the first place so I worked as a 911 dispatcher for 10 years for the Cook County Sheriff's Police. The last four, I was uh, three to four years, last three to four years, I was a, uh, a supervisor. I was the midnight overnight watch commander in the 911 center. Me and another guy uh, who were both the supervisors, depending on who was working that day, the other guy was off. But there, one of us was always in charge. The most common call, besides a police officer going down on a traffic stop, is a domestic I'm 100% confident that somebody could pull numbers from any day in a 911 center, and that's what they're going to find. It's the most common call. It's sad, but it's true. Uh, I probably handled 25 of them a day on on an average day, where it would either be uh, domestic disturbance, domestic violence, something where it was like really intense with like weapons being involved, but it was a constant thing. And every time you dispatch the police to a call like that, And I would take the calls and dispatch the police sometimes simultaneously where I have the yelling going on in one ear and I'm listening to what's happening and I'm trying to keep track of, you know, all the parties involved. And then dispatching the call to the police department, whenever you send them, at least in Cook County, and I'm pretty sure it's like this in any police department, 
you automatically have to send backup because of how dangerous a domestic is. It's a departmental policy that you send at least one other car to go with the responding officer. And in most cases, depending on what's coming out in the call, other officers join in as well. It's not uncommon to have four cars and a supervisor driving to a domestic call when you when you give the thing out. And when you take the call, it's horrific as well because you, you hear just nothing but screaming. You can actually hear the other side of the call giving their side of the story. Sometimes they're on the phone calling about about one and the other one's calling about the other. You'll have the woman on the phone with one 911 dispatcher and I'll be on the phone with the man and they're both claiming the other one started the fight while they're still fighting with each other. I've heard horrific 911 calls in my day where the person died on the other end of the line, murdered by the other one that they were in the fight with by the abuser, murdered on the phone while I was waiting for the police to get there. I've actually listened to that happen. So when I talk about this, it's a serious matter because these were the most horrific calls. As, an, as somebody who used to do this job, the one of the few things, like I've had bad things that I remember from time to time, little flashbacks, things that I'm like, oh God, I remember that one. You get the shudders over it. I would say the majority of them started off as domestic calls. And, and they, they stick with everybody that's involved in them, the worst ones. They stick with you when, you're, when, you, when, when you handle them. They stick with the police officers. They stick with the dispatchers just as much as they stick with the poor victim that was, that was being attacked that they're trying to get there and save and to protect. So when I hear something about what happened with Mike Clevenger, trust me, I, I know just what he is if this is true. I, I understand it. I also hear his story. I hear what he's accused of. I see the initial thing that goes out on Instagram and I go, that's a pretty standard domestic. As horrific as it is to most people who don't deal with them on a daily basis, this happens far more often than you think that it happens. It's wrong. It's terrible. It needs to stop. I raise my two young boys and I have been raising them their entire lives, especially my, my 15 year old who's starting to feel strong now, right? You know, he's a, he's an athlete. He's getting bigger. He's got a little bit more testosterone in his system. There are times where I can see him clench his fist when he's angry in an argument. Okay, I think every young man goes through that. But as his father, we've had plenty of conversations about making sure he's able to control himself. And you never put your hands on a woman. You never do that. I mean, I guess if she's coming at you with a machete, it's okay. If she has an Uzi in the argument, you might need to defend yourself. But generally, she's yelling at you in the argument. There's no reason for you to be placing your hands on anybody. Go for a walk. Get out of the house. And then I tried to be that example in my own home. You, you think Mrs. Lanuti and I have never had an argument in this house before? We've had plenty of them. But, you know, the worst that I ever did is there's a little mark in a door as I walked out the door and popped it with my hand because I was so angry. But I'm walking away from her at the time, muttering to myself. And I went out for three hours because you don't touch women. So to me... If this is true, he's a scumbag. And generally when you're, you know, I'll give you an old adage that most police officers and dispatchers and people that see this stuff, what they would say, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But on the other side of the coin, I would be lying if I said that every once in a while I've taken a terrible call where I was pretty sure who was the bad guy or I was pretty sure about what happened. And then they did an investigation and it was something else. I don't think that's the case here. But I do understand at least the idea of we need to find out what happens here after a full investigation is launched. I mean, personally, I wish he was never signed by my team. 
because even the stink of this, even the possibility that he did it, I wish the White Sox would have done their due diligence and not put him on my team. And and I I look at him right now and I say, yeah, probably. But I'm going to wait because I want to see what the end result is. I, I Maybe I'm naive, but I still wait to see if the people that are charged with determining what actually happened will do the proper due diligence and find out exactly what happened. So I kind of still understand why he's still on the team because in the off chance that he's just a dirtbag, and I know there's a lot of other stuff that has come out about him. If he's just a dirtbag, but he didn't actually commit a crime, you don't want to just release the guy, be on the hook, and in the end, you made the wrong choice about it. Again, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, probably a duck. That's what, that's kind of how I'm seeing this right here. But I do kind of get what the White Sox are doing right now. Yeah, there's, I mean, again, as an attorney, I'm I'm sort of trained with the idea that there's due process and there's an investigation. The disappointment factor for White Sox fans, and and for me personally, I think is also in exactly what you said. Why is he on the team in the first place? I mean, when he was signed, we talked about baseball reasons why you don't give Mike Clevenger $12 million. Yes, we we examined that. We also examined, like, what kind of character does he have when he knows he's got a teammate who had cancer and was at risk, especially when we didn't know as much about the the COVID-19 virus as we know now, and he didn't care about protecting his teammate. I mean, the, right. the, his former team wanted him off because they didn't like him. The Padres didn't offer him a contract to bring him back. There's something there already before you even hear this. Yeah, and and you, you think about the White Sox in those terms. And were there other options that they could have gone after from a baseball standpoint, from a character standpoint? What are you looking for on the field? What are you looking for in your locker room? You know, we, we talked about this with Dallas Keuchel to a certain degree because he, you know, he was the greatest pitcher in baseball, according to only him, you know, and, and you get that level of toxicity is nothing like what we're talking about with Clevenger. But there's an investigation ongoing. And do you really want this guy around the team? No, you, you may not want him around the team. Do the White Sox do themselves a favor or disservice by reacting quickly No, they've got to do damage control because everybody knows that there was an opportunity for them to know that this was a potential issue before they signed him, in spite of the fact that they assured him that they had no idea. Okay, because there was discussion that this was actually investigations were started last year. I've seen that in a couple of different versions of the story. So you look at that and you say, Rick, what are you doing? Okay, what are your scouts doing What is the front office doing? How deeply are they looking at these guys? Are you just so infatuated with what Mike Clevenger was when he was the quote-unquote ace of the the Cleveland Indians at the time, even though he wasn't really that great of a pitcher to begin with? Or, you know, are you doing a deep dive into this guy saying, this guy is good for our team, this is what we need to put us over and win a championship? Again, these are baseball discussions, okay? So now, now the investigations go through. And the other aspect of this is that let's not be hypocritical about what happens with Major League Baseball players when they get suspended under domestic violence policy. You get guys like Aroldis Chapman, who in 2016 was suspended for 30 games, went on to win a World Series that very same year with the Chicago Cubs. You get guys like Julio Urias, who is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who in 2019 was suspended for 20 games. And he is still pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Same thing with Domingo Tremont from the New York Yankees, who had an 81-game suspension, came back last year. The team didn't really want him around because they didn't like what the guy represented. You know, the, the Yankees traded a role as Chapman, so there is something to be said there. 
But don't think for an instant that Mike Clevenger has no chance of pitching this year, even if he is found under the investigation for the MLB to be guilty of something and in violation of this policy. The suspension may not be Trevor Bauer-like for these allegations, which is unfortunate because, again, this is not something that you do as a human being, let alone what you do for a living, okay? So the names are all over the place. There are notable names that have been hit with this policy violation, and the fact is is that we don't also know if he will be charged and convicted in a court, okay? Going back to the Chapman situation, choked his girlfriend, that was the allegation, fired a gun while he was in the room with her, that was the allegation, never proven guilty in a court of law. Suspended by the MLB, never actually proven guilty, never charged. Clevenger is going to get suspended here, and if and Jerry Reinsdorf I would imagine is on the phone with anybody that he can possibly find in the MLB offices, anybody that he knows will listen to him. He's a powerful owner has been around for a long time. I'm sure he's put off by the fact that major league baseball didn't tell him about the investigation before the team signed him, but the CBA prevents the white Sox from finding out. But I guarantee he's saying, I want a decision on this before he's supposed to report to my camp because I don't want to deal with this. And I want to know what we're looking at so we can make a decision as a team. Jerry Reinsdorf also is not going to drop Mike Clevenger. He he was going to wait for the suspension because you don't have to pay him for the suspension. In fact, Jerry might literally be on the phone saying, suspend him for the year for me. Do me a favor because I, I just rather not have to pay him. So I would imagine there's a lot of things going on in the background, but pull back from that and what's happening right here with Mike Clevenger. And look again and put the spotlight on the front office of the Chicago White Sox, an inept front office that we have criticized countless times on this show. I know they dislike the fact that we do. This front office shouldn't be in place. They should have been fired at the end of the year. But, you know, Rick Hahn said it. When I know I'm doing a bad job, I'll let Jerry know. And this 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 looks bad on the owner for keeping this front office in place. It makes Rick Hahn look bad. It makes Kenny Williams look bad. But this is the kind of thing that gets Rick Hahn fired. Whenever anybody asks me, how do you get rid of these guys in the front office? It seems like everybody has a lifetime job. This is the kind of thing that gets Rick Hahn fired. Because if the White Sox don't get a lengthy suspension handed down to Mike Clevenger, and they end up having to pay this contract, but because of what people feel right now and the public relations nightmare of what it is, and even if the feeling is the right thing to do is to throw him off the team because of what he's been accused of, if that's what the feeling is, they're going to have to pay the contract. The contract's guaranteed. Nothing ticks off Jerry Reinsdorf more than having to pay somebody to not play for his team for whatever reason. There's a reason Larry Garcia hasn't been DFA'd yet, and that's only $5 million a year for two years. Clevenger's contract is worth more. Okay, look up Jamie Navarro if you're younger and look at like, remember when the Sox got him and the whole idea was like he was going to pitch for a long time. He didn't really pitch for as long as he was supposed to. Didn't Kenny Williams become the GM very shortly thereafter? There was a change in the front office. Jerry Reinsdorf hates spending money on a player that isn't actually on the field. And this is something that was preventable because God knows if I went out and got a minimum wage job, they check my Facebook page and they look me up on the Internet. I warn my children all the time. The Internet is forever. You're going to have a hard time getting a job if if you put something on social media that looks poorly on you because the Internet is forever. It, most employers now 
do searches of social media and Google the guy before they give him any kind of money. This guy got millions upon millions of dollars and you don't have anybody that does that? Didn't you? And and I know I'm on a rant here, but remember the movie Draft Day where they had the guy who walked around in the movie and he was like the private investigator and his job was to try to figure out what was going on with each individual player before they actually drafted him? I thought that was a normal thing on sports teams. You're telling me the White Sox don't have a guy like that? I'm pretty sure there's a few guys who are working as detectives for CPD or one of the suburban places that would be happy to moonlight and take a side job with the Chicago White Sox for some tickets and some access and a little bit of money, and they would put a more thorough investigation in of guys that you're signing on to your team than what you did with Mike Clevenger. That's the problem. You can, you can fall back on how the CBA prevented MLB from telling you anything about him, but you can't fall back on that when the internet lives and you can find things out about guys before you sign or draft or trade for them. And that's where the breakdown is, okay? It's not that Rick wasn't blindsided by something the MLB could or could not do under the rules and under the agreements and the contracts. No, it's... How about finding out why the Padres really aren't interested in keeping the guy around? How about finding out what is going on in the guy's personal life that might come back and haunt him? How about finding out whether or not this guy is going to be a problem in your clubhouse? How about finding out what it is exactly that makes this guy tick? Because it's not just whether or not his ERA is under four and he gives you 120 or more innings. It's also what happens around the team. And that's discoverable very easily. You don't need a contract to say what you can find out about a person by just snooping around on them and doing some diligence on them. And we're not suggesting that the White Sox need to spy on all of their players, but you're spending millions of dollars on the guy. You're trying to win a championship. You're trying to do all of these things. And yeah, you're right. If McDonald's is going to look hard at me when I go to flip burgers, I better believe and hope that the Chicago White Sox are looking hard at the players that they're bringing in and putting out there for my kids to cheer for. It's a billion dollar business and that you don't do enough due diligence on anybody that you sign. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane to me. That's the thing that probably sticks out more than anything to me. I mean, the Clevenger thing is ugly. And like I said, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, probably a duck. But I'm going to wait because that's just the way that I've. That's my experience in life after dealing with such intense things and and seeing the outcome. Seriously, 99.9% of domestic calls that I w- either took as a phone call, I've been deposed in court over them before. I, I, I've, as a witness, when, when, when the thing goes to trial, all of these things, 99% of these end up exactly the way that they sound on the phone. 1% don't. All right. And that's that's probably why, in my mind, I sit there and say there's absolutely no reason to jettison him right now, because let's find out what the investigation is. And if he gets signed, you get the money back. You better take that money and go sign another pitcher. In fact, right now, you want to show me that you are a forward thinking organization. Go out and sign another arm under the assumption this guy isn't playing for you, because I would think it's either a suspension or you're getting rid of him and you're eating money. But if your entire offseason is Andrew Benintendi. And this mess, again, I ask the question, why are Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn employed by a major league baseball team to run a front office? Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. 
And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Hey, Sox in the basement, guys. Trying to get excited about the upcoming White Sox season, but it's looking kind of bleak. The White Sox are the island of misfit toys. A DH who thinks he's an outfielder. A 6'3", 240-pound center fielder made of glass. A third baseman who thinks he's a rapper. A utility player making $5 million a year. And finally, a lawyer who thinks he's a GM. And I didn't even mention Clevenger. Give me hope, guys. Uh, I love the Ben Attendee pickup, but aside from that, man, this team, we don't need any more distractions. It is. It is the team of misfit toys. I mean, I, I get it. And you don't want to make light over the whole, the Clevenger thing is something completely different, right? But I mean, everything about this offseason has been weird. The, the hype video we talked about on the last episode. And, and and now I see this thing that Lucas Giolito is is trying to is he trying to lose weight lose mu- what is yeah, he doing he's, he's he's leaning up he's not he's not bulking he's up. up he's leaning up so wasn't that the thing he was too swole the to pitch last yes, year he got himself too <laughs> swole in a failed experiment and now he's trying to I get leaner so right. I, in the hype video where everybody's lifting weights I mean what why didn't they show Lucas like sitting there reading a book like how do you lean right. up I don't understand that yeah. exactly having it you know what I would have liked to have seen in the hype video like you have. You have uh, 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 Osmani Grandal with the big medicine ball throwing it, right? You got uh, you got Luis Roberts saying, I'm doing things in the offseason that, that I've never done before as he lifts weights. And then you got uh, Lucas Giolito sitting in the background on a folding chair, eating an eclair and reading a comic book. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's <laughs> what I mean. Like, why, why not just have that? I, You know, or, or he's sitting there pretending to do yoga. Like, what? what right. Do you- I mean, so- Something like that. You know, and that's the thing. This team does kind of lack that. I, like, Kansas City is going to have a terrible year this year, but when you see the videos getting put out by them, they're funny. They kind of make fun of, like, themselves. They make fun of their team. They have goofy little uh, vignettes that they put out in their commercials. It, it is it is kind of fun. I've seen other teams be a little bit more creative. I know the White Sox are trying to do the whole thing where it's like, we're sorry. We were wrong. We'll do better. Your hype video isn't isn't making much of a dent, though, this week with the fan base based upon everything else that's going on. And then what else are we doing? We're looking at Nikki Lopez. Do we do we even need to discuss whether or not the rumored move, Ken Rosenthal saying that the White Sox interested in Nikki Lopez? Do we need to discuss whether or not he would be good for the White Sox? No, we don't. He won't be. <laughs> I mean, like he will his defensive metrics, if you go and you just look them up, are no improvement over Lennon Sosa or Romy Gonzalez. His range, when you look it up, 
is nothing to be excited about. It's basically average. And in some instances, in some seasons, he's actually been below average, like a negative impact on his team defensively. He's a below uh, below replacement player slightly. It's I think it's 0.2, negative 0.2 B war. I don't know what his F war is. But I mean, like this is a guy that's just nothing. And the, and the Royals are trying to get rid of him. That's the thing that, that stuck out to me. I've already heard through the grapevine here on the South side. And I don't, I don't talk directly to the player, but I've already heard that the Royals are pretty excited about Mike Massey. I always felt like that was the guy who's going to be their second baseman. They're trying to dump off something. They don't, somebody they don't have room for on the white Sox. This would be just yet another dumb move by this front office to go pick this guy up. Let Romy and Lennon have their shot at it and move on. Okay, I don't, the, the, what are we going to do then? Then we're going to we're going to tout the the great offseason of uh, Andrew Benintendi, which is a good signing. Uh, the mess of Mike Clevenger and Nicky Lopez. Oh, well, I can't wait. White Sox baseball. Catch the fever. I thought we weren't going to talk about how Nicky Lopez wasn't going to help the White Sox. <laughs> and, you know, you go and talk I, about it. And that hot take on Nicky Lopez brought to you by the village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure. Visit the village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, explore. See all they have to offer at lamontdowntown.com. Oh, also, what what is it with, with Rick Hahn and, and 2022 Kansas City Royals? I mean, come on. I don't know. If you're going to pluck two players off of a team, you know, make it one that was actually successful, for gosh sakes. I, I You know what? Right now, again, I think that the guy, I don't even think the guy should be the general manager of the team anymore. Oh, I, think this is the end, I think this is the end for him, honest to goodness. I think that this Clevenger thing could be the end for him. Like, he escapes... Teflon Han escapes if if the suspension is handed out before spring training or before Clevenger would report, and it's like for the whole year. And he escapes then because Jerry doesn't have to pay for him. And then he turns around, he takes the money, he goes get Zach Greinke or something like that. And then they just shrug. I mean, it's not like they have to answer to the fans. They have controlled media scrums where the owner doesn't speak to anybody and they cancel the festival. So they could just go and hide, and that's what they're going to go and do. And so if that happens, he probably saves his job. But I'm telling you right now, if the White Sox have to remove Mike Clevenger from the roster and the suspension isn't eating the majority of the money, that could be the end. Okay? That, I mean, that would be the end. And I think Han would be the sacrificial lamb. Kenny probably survives. Han goes. But I, when I sit there and I look at this team and I say, what would have to go wrong for them to finally make a change in their front office? I always go back to when you waste Jerry Reinsdorf's money. That's when he gets rid of you. He doesn't care about winnings, wins and losses. He don't care. He don't care if I can get a pretzel brat in the third inning. He don't care. He had game three of that playoffs uh, series against the, the Astros where they had everything open and all the food and all the beer and the special towels. And uh, the next game they had like the, the knockoff towels that didn't have anything written on them. And some of the food stands were closed and they were running out of things by the fifth inning because he doesn't care about any of that. Nobody got fired for that. But you waste his money. Right. Like if they would have spent money on game four, let's say, and the Sox get beaten game three and he has all these leftover towels that he spent money on, that guy probably would have been fired because that's what you don't do. You keep your job in the White Sox organization by not wasting the old man's money. This would be a waste of the old man's money. You watch that closely. Yeah, and, and it doesn't count to sit there and say that Larry Garcia is wasting the old man's money because he's at least showing up to work and if he's on the field, he's on it's the not field. a waste. Yeah, it's not a waste. Right. He's taking right. up a roster spot, so it's not a waste of money. But yeah, you spend money that Jerry doesn't need to spend, and that's going to be a um, 
that's going to be a, a, a one-way ticket out of town. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if Kenny survives or not. I think it probably depends on what the dynamic is there. But there's going to be something done, I think, if if they end up having to eat Clevenger's money. And if there's going to be eaten money coming off of this, you know, this this supposed rebuild into a supposed championship window where you've got, you know, money that's being spent on free agents and it's not panning out and, uh, you know, dollars are going out, but dollars aren't coming back in because the fans aren't, aren't showing up in the Nielsen ratings. The fans aren't showing up in the stands. There's a lot of things that have gone on, I think, in the past couple of years that you could sit there and say, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf has got to be looking at this going, I'm spending all this money, but what am I getting out of it? Because he is, at the end of the day, a business person who looks at what is coming in, what is going out, and am I spending money to make money? Or am I spending money just to spend money? And I do see, you know, again, aside from what's going on with Clevenger, but just in general, look at what Rakan has done coming out of the out of his his supposed rebuild here, where basically he spent international pool money to try and find some stars, by the way. He didn't draft, right? These are not amateurs. These are yeah, basically it's all basically it's can't miss first round draft picks, some of which actually missed which and international pool money. money that he spent and he bought people. Yeah. And uh and then making trades for guys that I could I could make trades where I look at, oh, who's on the top ten of the MLB pipeline list? Let's get that guy. Right. right. I mean, it was, there oh, was a lot of extending that guy, extending the, the right. top guy before he's really proven <laughs> and now, himself. And now way. giving you a my God, a ridiculous amount of money over the next two years. And not anybody with a baseball brain believes that he's ever going to be worth the money that you're going to pay him over the next right. couple of years. The, here's the thing with the, the Clevenger uh, situation that kind of struck me that before the news breaks about it and it becomes, you know, more in the mainstream, even though it was floating around the Internet that he may not be the greatest of guys. Um the fact that people were saying, would you take Trevor Bauer on the White Sox because all you have to do is pay him the league minimum? Like, the, I, I remember seeing that before the Clevenger thing. Like, and, and Bauer was, Bauer's thing is even so much worse. I mean, like, you don't want to say that one's worse than the other. They're all bad. Right. It's, Bauer's it's, it's all thing bad. Just, I mean, all those players that I oh. listed off earlier that have been suspended are bad. I mean, it's all bad allegations. And no, I wouldn't take Trevor Bauer. And it's for the same reason that I, I think the White Sox really hope that Clevenger gets suspended and they don't have to pay the salary. Because, again, that's what Rick wants, too. The moment he has to look at Jerry Reinsdorf and say, I wasted all that money. What is it, $12 million when you take in the, the language of the contract? Yeah. Because wasn't it like he gets out of it, but he's still going to get another $4 million on the back end of the $8 million? Like, if, if, if Rick Hahn loses $12 million and makes the organization look bad where it could affect ticket sales and, the, and, and money coming in, again, that's where, that's where he'll be gone. So, you know, you look at this team, and I, I know they don't want to have him around. They're just waiting on the suspension. But for the same reason I wouldn't want Bauer, I wouldn't want Mike Clevenger on my team right now. Because inside of a locker room, you have people from all walks of life. But outside of the baseball game, many of them have families. Many of them uh, may have been affected at some point by domestic violence. You don't know if there's a guy in the clubhouse whose poor mother used to, God forbid, be wailed upon by a by a drunken dad. You know, or or, the, or somebody somebody has a loved one that was hurt, injured, or, or or killed because of it. Like you, you don't you don't know what the background is of the other twenty five man in, men in the roster. They don't want him around just as much as guys wouldn't have wanted Trevor Bauer around. That's why why no matter how good of a pitcher he is, the Dodgers players are like, nah, we don't want him here. 
How, how, how can I look this guy in the face? His values are wrong. I, I, he makes my skin crawl. I don't want him here. That really affects your team as well. So I, I look as a fan, I don't want him in there. No. As a as a no. dad of a daughter, I don't want him on my team. I, I don't want him around if this is true, right? And, and and the thing is, if it's not true, the White Sox are still on the hook here because you shouldn't even have introduced this poison into your team this offseason if you would have done your due diligence. If you just would have looked into the guy, if you just would have Googled him, if you would have gone on Instagram and kind of just like followed a few people that follow him, if you would have done any, spend an hour before you sign the contract, right? I mean, in, in all honesty, why is it pending physical instead of pending physical and team background check? Like, doesn't that seem like, like, I, I always thought that was unspoken, but I guess it's something that needs to be spoken, right? Like, maybe we're going to give this guy a buttload of money, but we're going to make sure his arm still works. And we're going to make sure he's not a dirtbag. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.